And a warm hearty good morning. Welcome to our Brunkpunt Studios where we tackle contentious issues that affect our Christian world. Our topic for discussion all about Chief Justice Mukheng Mukheng who was ordered to retract his pro-Israel comments. In a recent article dated the 4th of March this year, 2021, by Gateway News, an online Christian electronic news website, an article written by Andre Fulyun heralds the following heading, and I quote, Chief Justice Mukheng ordered to retract pro-Israel comments. The Judicial Conduct Committee or JCC, found Chief Justice Mukheng Mukheng guilty for pro-Israel comments he made during a webinar in June last year and ordered him to apologize unconditionally for becoming involved in political controversy through his remarks in the online seminar hosted by the Jerusalem Post on June 23rd last year. Africa for Palestine, a pro-Palestine South African organization formerly known as BDS South Africa, laid a complaint about Mukheng's comments. The committee further ordered Mukheng to unreservedly retract and withdraw a statement he also made on July 3rd during an Africa-wide online prayer conference held in support of his right to speak his mind as a Christian. At the time, after emphasizing the biblical basis of his webinar remarks and his message of love for all people, he said he would not retract or apologize for his words. And I quote him, Even if 50 million people can march every day for the next 10 years, for me to retract and apologize for what I've said, I will not do it. Chief Justice Mukweng is a Democratic South Africa's longest-serving Chief Justice, and he was appointed in September of 2011 and is due to complete his 10-year term if all goes well this year. Now, in an open-ed article in July of 2020, Freedom of Religion South Africa, or 4SA, wrote the following, and they said, In conclusion, whether or not we agree with Chief Justice' personal belief or statements made during the recent webinar, we should also be worried about the current attack on him. It is clear from a political point of view that the issue is not much whether or not the Chief Justice acted improperly by commenting on political controversial issues, as it is a blatant attempt to, at the highest level, silence speech which is perceived to be politically incorrect. And... If the thought police will not hesitate to go after Chief Justice Mohueng, they will certainly not hesitate to go after ordinary citizens like you and me. Well, stay tuned as Brimpunt spoke to the organization Freedom of Religion South Africa to find out how these charges against Chief Justice Mohueng and the outcome thereof will affect the lives of all Christians in South Africa. Don't stray or go away as we'll be back with our respondent right after this. Well, on the line as promised, I've got the executive director for SA, that's uh, Freedom of Religion South Africa, Michael Swain. Michael, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Can I start by asking you, tell us a little bit about Freedom of Religion SA. How did it come about? Uh, what did, is it exactly that you guys do? Well, Bernard, thank you so much for having me on the show. And yes, thank you. Just to give you a little bit of background, 
Freedom of Religion South Africa, known as 4SA, came about in 2014 when a local church here in the Western Cape was basically ambushed by an atheist couple who lived in the area. And they downloaded from their website some materials on a parenting seminar. And in those materials were the so-called spare the rod, spoil the child scriptures. And they then made a complaint to the South African Human Rights Commission, who then also filed suit against the church and against the pastors to basically tell them that they could no longer uh, quote those scriptures in their teaching materials or teach on them, and also that they should send their pastoral team for sensitivity training. And that, of course, is a egregious uh, limitation or breach of our constitutional right to freedom of religion, which obviously includes not only what we uh, do and how we live out our faith, but what we say about our faith. And so on the back of that, um, Freedom of Religion South Africa 4SA, which is a non-profit legal advocacy group, was then formed. And since then, of course, we've been involved in multiple issues regarding freedom of religion. And just about everywhere where you see attempts to erode religious freedom in South Africa, you will find 4SA. Michael, your involvement with the company now, it's interesting looking at your website. It clearly states uh, on your website, as an organization, you are both faith and politically neutral. Now, the spotlight banner at the very top of your website currently states, Freedom of Religion SA has taken note of the decision by the Judicial Conduct Committee against Chief Justice Mohueng. Why did you feel for your organization to become involved and, and, and to what extent? Well, obviously, this is a legal matter. And as a legal advocacy group, particularly with our focus on freedom of religion, it was very important, we felt, for us to investigate this matter, because clearly there are potentially freedom of religion issues involved in it. And when it says that we are faith neutral and politically neutral, what that means is that we don't take any particular view on any interpretation of scripture or any other holy writing for that matter, and we do not side with any particular faith. Our emphasis and our focus is on the overarching rights that every South African enjoys to freedom of religion. Uh, but in this particular matter, of course, it, it is potentially, and I believe has been proven to be, uh, pretty controversial. Yeah. And so we wanted to take a step back and really look at it from a legal point of view rather than from a faith point of view. Because obviously from a faith point of view, many people do believe along with the CJ that, of course, uh, it is important that we uh, can express our love for Israel, we can pray for the peace of Israel, and that we obviously should be peacemakers. But that was not the essence of the action that was taken. Let me just maybe backtrack, if I can, and give you the, the parameters of the reason why this incident came to All right. I was about to ask you that. I was about to ask you, what's your understanding then of the Judicial Conduct Committee and the role they play with regards to Chief Justice Mukheng Mukheng? Okay, well, every judge, when they take up office, they sign an acceptance of the Code of Judicial Conduct. Now, this code applies to you whether you're sitting on the bench or not, and it effectively sets down the sort of parameters of the things that you can and cannot say or do. And the reason why it's there, of course, is to really make sure that uh, the people, if you like, the, 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 the independence of the judiciary is there to be respected so that litigants who come before any judge have the confidence that judges themselves will be approaching matters with an open and un unbiased mind. And so the case that was brought um, by 
various complainants, Af- Africa for Palestine um, and the SAPDS coalition, the Women's Cultural Group, uh, was brought in terms of the code and the fact that, of course, uh, Chief Justice McQueen McQueen had indeed signed the code. And they were arguing uh, that he had breached the code when he made uh, his statements as he did on the webinar. Now, I, I think it's important to say that that was a very limited issue, therefore. The issue is whether or not the CJ has breached this judicial code of conduct in as much as he became involved in a what is quoted as a political controversy uh, in circumstances specifically where such involvement was not necessary for the just discharge of his judicial office. And I think it's worth taking a step back to say that obviously the CJ has the perfect right. And that was never taken. There was no action or comment against that to make whatever statements that he wants to or needs to about Israel, about his love for it, about uh, the importance of praying for the peace and everything else that he did, or even his concern that any form of hatred would attract a curse on our nation. I mean, there are many people who believe that. That's a perfectly legitimate and valid belief. Um, Instead, the criticism or the focus of the problem was that he, in so doing, also criticized South Africa's foreign policy towards Israel by his suggestion that there was an alternative and obviously, in his view, a better approach. Michael, I'll get to that in a moment. I I, want to talk about the match that lit the bonfire. Africa for Palestine, the women's cultural groups, were there any basis for those complaints that was laid against Judge Mokhoeng Mokhoeng or not? Well, yes, they were basically saying that his remarks were such that he became involved in a political controversy. And so really, the thing that the Judicial Conduct Committee had to do was to ascertain whether or not there was validity in that complaint. In other words, did the Chief Justice become involved in a political controversy? And so when they looked at that, they were obviously considering not what he said specifically in terms of his expression of his faith, but specifically his perhaps alternative suggestion that there was a better approach in terms of foreign policy. And I think what has sort of exacerbated the problem was two factors. The first was that he obviously made the criticism on an international platform, and it was evident that he was invited not as an independent citizen, but because of his high judicial office. And also, coincidentally, that his statements were made on the eve of the South African executive making its statement on the Israeli-Palestine situation in the UN Security Council. So, you know, if you ask me, were the complaints perhaps politically motivated? That is certainly possible. But nevertheless, they made them on the basis of the fact that the Chief Justice had potentially embroiled himself in a political controversy. The Judicial Conduct Committee stated that there was definitely an alternative or a better approach that he should have taken. In your understanding, what did they mean by that? I think that what they were saying was that he was expressing a view, which was obviously that there was a better approach. There was a peacemaker approach, and he cited previous Um, I think President Mandela's involvement as a peacemaker and the reputation that South Africa has in the world as such, whereas, in fact, the current South African government's position on the Israeli-Palestine situation might not necessarily agree with that position. And so, in other words, when the Chief Justice stepped into that role, what the complaint was stating was that he actually became involved in a political controversy. That was the very narrow issue. 
And, you know, although uh, there's no question that the Chief Justice has the perfect constitutional right to express his religious um, beliefs and convictions, and he can express them publicly. But, of course, it is also arguable that when the Chief Justice or any other judge voluntarily agrees to a limitation of their rights when they take up office and agree to be bound by this code... Um, then there are certain restrictions that they place upon their own conduct, whether on or off the bench. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you know, once that is the case, obviously that's what they are bound by. It is possible, by the way, and this is certainly our view, that perhaps the code itself has unconstitutional provisions in as much as it limits or binds uh, the, the religious freedom rights of the Chief Justice or any other judge for that okay. matter. I'm speaking to the Executive Director for Freedom of Religion at South Africa, Michael Swain, talking to us here at the Brunpen. Michael, Chief Justice Mokhweng currently on record for saying that even if 50 million people were to march every day for 10 years, he would still refuse to retract his statement or apologize for anything he said. Your comments on that? Well, obviously, he's entitled to that viewpoint, and he's entitled to hold that viewpoint. He's certainly entitled to appeal uh, the decision of uh, the um, Judicial uh, Conduct Committee, and he has a month from the date of judgment to do so. Um, I think think we would say that, uh, although perhaps on a plain reading of the code, it may be argued that he'd overstepped the mark, I think what is certainly perhaps disproportionately harsh, uh, particularly where the term political controversy is not actually defined in the code, that he was given the sanctions that he was. And again, it should be noted that his only offence, quote unquote, was his expressed hope that South Africa would draw on its own painful history to bring about or to help bring about peace in the Middle East. And of course, many Christians, irrespective of their religious beliefs, would certainly hold that this desire for peace is a noble one and not deserving of this kind of censure. So I think it's probably highly unlikely that Uh, the Chief Justice will apologise, and it is probably highly likely, therefore, that he will appeal it. And I think we're going to uh, be hearing about this matter for some time to come as a result. It's interesting that the committee also wrote a suggested apology uh, and a retraction um, that they presented to Judge Mukhweng Mukhweng. You think he should write it himself, or uh, have have you seen this apology that they've uh, compiled? Yes, I have seen the apology. And interestingly enough, in terms of the code, the JCC is actually entitled to specify the type and nature of the apology. So they haven't actually gone necessarily outside of the bounds of their own jurisdiction in proposing that. Uh, But again, nevertheless, as as I said, I think it is pretty uh, clear that uh, in, in our view that it was perhaps overly harsh or disproportionately harsh, uh, given the fact, as I said, that the political controversy itself uh, as a terminology is not defined in the code. And the JCC actually uh, developed uh, their own definition of political controversy as part of this judgment. So I think that, again, he will in all likelihood be appealing that. And I would be surprised, particularly given his adamant statement in a, uh, you know, previously that he would actually apologize for what he said. Michael, I'm not sure if you're aware of it. Currently on WhatsApp social media, there's WhatsApp's going around. We invite you to join us in a three days of corporate fast and prayer for our brother in the Lord, Chief Justice Mukhing. We trust God for divine intervention as we unite one voice before a righteous judge on behalf of Chief Justice. The outcome of this case will have a mighty impact on the 
freedom of speech in the church, this is a serious matter. Do we have enough facts? Do you think we as Christians have the right now to call for a a three-day fast, a corporate fast, on behalf of Chief Justice? Do we have enough facts? uh, And do you agree with this or not? Well, obviously, Christians are entitled to fast for whatever they want and for as long as they want. But I don't think that this I don't think that this case is going to affect the freedom of religion rights, freedom of speech and expression rights of South Africans generally. No, it's not. Uh, That was not the issue that was decided in this case. In fact, specifically, the JTC did not take issue with the Chief Justice's statements about Israel from a biblical perspective, from a faith perspective. So it won't affect those rights in any way, shape or form. It is, as I said, a very narrow issue of whether or not he breached the code of judicial conduct because he became involved in what they defined as a political controversy. So I I don't think that the risk uh, which is emphasized in that uh, WhatsApp statement that you just read me is actually um, justified on on the facts. All right. How do we then balance religious freedom and religious freedom of expression with high-profile positions such as Chief Justice Mokheng Mokheng out there in the global village. Because everything we say or do, uh, especially if you're an outspoken Christian, is checked and double-checked. What advice can you give? The answer is that you are entitled to express your religious viewpoints, and the Chief Justice did. And as I said, nobody has a problem with the fact that he did. The only question, of course, was whether or not in so doing in this particular instance, he embroiled himself in what is described as a political controversy. And the JCC took the view that he did, you know, as I said, because it it is very hard, perhaps, given the platform that he was speaking on and the profile of his uh, office, and also the fact that it was on the eve of the the UN meeting, uh, to suggest that he did not. And that's what the JCC came up with. But generally speaking, I think it's important that we express our faith. And we're certainly free and fully protected to do so. Um, obviously not <laughs> the speech that amounts to hate speech, yeah. but that's another story altogether. Okay, Michael, so you've mentioned something like a month now that he's got to, to react to that. What would be the way forward? And, and what can we as Christians learn from this thus far? Well, I think what we can learn from this thus far is, is that it is important to support uh, and, and, and to stand behind people who make expressions of faith. And I think that's a very good thing. I think, if anything, this has highlighted the critical importance that there is for us to be able to always freely express our faith, whatever that faith may be, but particularly from the church's point of view, obviously, their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so I think that is a good thing. And I think if, if that maybe heightens the awareness of that, because let's be honest, there have been other threats to our freedom of speech as well uh, when it comes to what we can and cannot say. So I think this is very important. Uh, and, and I think it, it's probably a good thing to highlight the issue. But as I say, in this particular instance, I think the, the, the facts of this case are not about whether or not the Chief Justice was free to express the views that he did, but was he free or was he bound effectively and not able to make uh, statements around uh, the matter which amounted to political controversy. What do you think is the worst that can happen to him if he refuses now to retract or, or, or sign the apology? Well, as I say, I think the first thing he'll do is he'll appeal it. And he can appeal it not only on the basis of the judgment, but he can also appeal it on the basis of the sanction that was um, put, put in place and, and the statement that they want him to make. So I think he's got an appeal point of view. And I obviously wouldn't presume to dictate what he may or may not do. Um, but uh, I 
as I said, I strongly doubt, uh, given his previous statements, that he is likely to offer such a, a complete withdrawal and an apology. Right, Michael, I'm going to ask you in a sec or so just your final thoughts on our whole discussion. But as a non-profit legal advocacy organization with a mandate to protect and promote the freedom of religion, uh, rights granted uh, to all South Africans, according to the Constitution, where can our listeners get hold of your organization? Maybe they feel led to help you get involved or become part of you in one way or the other. Social media platform, contact details, where, where can they read more about you? Well, you can certainly go to our website, which is www.forsa.org.za. And you can also follow us on Facebook. We have regular daily updates on our Facebook page, Freedom of Religion SA. And of course, you can and we would encourage you to sign up for our newsletter, which you can do on our website. You can also look at all the articles we have. We have video updates. We have a lot of interesting stuff. There's a lot of stuff that's happening. And we, for SA, we are committed to protect and promote our religious freedom rights because once eroded and once we lose them, they will be very hard to regain. So any support that can be made for us in that battle, which I think affects all of us, would be extremely uh, well appreciated. That the Executive Director for Freedom of Religion South Africa, Michael Swain, chatting to us here at Brunton. Michael, if you can just uh, sum it up for us in a nutshell, your final thoughts, our discussion this morning, please. I think, number one, our freedom of religion, which is our right to speak and to live out our faith, is absolutely fundamental and foundational to uh, a free democracy. And to the extent that the the Chief Justice is somebody who is very vocal in that respect, I think that is to be commended. I think we all of us should speak up for our faith. Uh, As I said, I think we need to also be perhaps a little careful not to overreact in this instance specifically, because this was not around whether he has the right to express his faith. He most certainly does. But whether he breached the specific provision of the Code of Conduct, which revolves around, did the remarks that he made amount to a political controversy? With that, our sincere thanks. Michael, thank you so much for your input to our program this morning. Thank you very much.